Welcome to While Doing Laundry, a podcast for parents with mountains of laundry and a heart for change. I'm your host, Emily Edwards, and I'll be your guide on this weekly ethical exploration of parenthood. I'm a nurse, a mom, and a fierce advocate for choice. When I became a parent, I quickly realized I had overestimated how much I knew about anything that actually mattered and underestimated the sheer volume of laundry I would have to deal with. So if you're anything like me, I'm ready to challenge those old beliefs, learn new ways to view the world, and finally feel like you're embracing the massive, messy transformation that is parenthood, don't go anywhere. Grab your laundry basket and some earbuds, and let's get started listening to this week's episode. Welcome back to Wild Doing Laundry. It has been a minute since there has been a new episode. I am so sorry for that. It felt like a bit of a false start, but when it comes down to it, um, I have been able to hire the first person on my team because of this podcast, and we are going to start working together to get this out to you regularly and with much better quality. So I am super excited to share with you the very first episode since working with my new team member. I'm going to let you know this episode was inspired by many individuals. There have been lots of hints along the way over the last number of weeks that this part of my story needed to be shared. This weekend, I saw a post from, I believe it was called Ship You Need to Know About. And it was regarding the response and treatment a York University student got from one of their professors regarding uh, the fact that they were experiencing a political coup. (laughs) They were in total communication blackouts. And the response from the the professor was absolutely horrible. And I saw how far we have come in 10 years. I saw how much social media can help amplify these stories of people who are being treated really horribly by people in positions that we perceive as powerful, as knowledgeable, as wise, as mentors. And we can see that, you know, is not the case. And this one story I know is not isolated because I know what something similar happened to me. And while I cannot compare my story at all to obviously the the experience of this individual, because what they are experiencing is unbelievable. But what I found in their story that I saw in my own was the fact that they reached out to someone they trusted for guidance and reasonable accommodation. And they were met with hostility they were belittled, their own you know, well-being and ability to connect with reality was questioned. And that is where I felt that, that these stories need to get out because people in these positions should not be allowed to treat students or employees or anyone like that. I am going to share with you uh, my experience of being pregnant while being a nursing student in Canada. What I'm going to do is read a paper that I wrote in my fourth year of university. 
was for a course called Trend, Current Trends and Issues in Nursing. It was a course where we analyzed current issues against frameworks to understand you know, how they impacted multiple groups of people, including ourselves. So this, for this paper, we were able to choose a topic that we felt was important to us as well as important to nursing as a whole. And I opted to write a paper called An Unwanted Pregnancy, The Discrimination of Childbearing and Rearing Women in Nursing Education. And I think now as I say that title out loud, it may have been the discrimination of childbearing and rearing students in nursing education. Because as we move through this paper itself, you will start to understand how big of an issue this was for just our small class. And again, I can only imagine how far that that ripples and impacts other people in other programs. But um, I know my experience and there was a lot of us who were damaged by it. As outlined and supported by the Association of Women's Health, Obstetric, and Neonatal Nurses, the role of the nursing profession promotes the health of women and newborns. The dedication to the preservation of dignity amongst childbearing women is in stark contrast to the actual practice of nursing schools. The history of educating nurses is rich with restrictions upon women and their sexuality. Specifically, women in the profession who bear children are under targeted scrutiny. McIntyre McDonald's issue analysis framework is used to discover the impact the discrimination of childbearing women within nursing has on all domains of the profession. Canadian nursing organizations like the College of Nurses of Ontario, the Ontario Nurses Association, and the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario are placing the issue of horizontal violence at the forefront of their agendas. Discrimination of childbearing in education is a painful component of the violence nurses inflict upon each other. So horizontal violence is what happens when it is peer-to-peer -peer harassment or violence. So the classic bullying, um, that type of behavior we assume, that falls under the umbrella of horizontal violence. This is not nurse to patient or physician to nurse. This is very isolated at looking at those nurse to nurse relationships. And those include different types of nurses. So again, you're going to be looking at the relationship registered nurse or RPN to, RPN to RN. There's a lot of different um, dynamics there, including then the next layer of management and leadership. So what you just got is the little ad lib. I feel like I am recording an audiobook right now. You're getting these little tidbits on the side. So what comes next is nature of the issue. Horizontal violence in the form of discrimination and alienation of childbearing students in nursing programs involves nurses across their career spectrum. Beginning with nursing students, as victims of targeted bullying, pregnant students feel stigmatized and discriminated against by those who should be providing mentorship and guidance. Their peers are negatively impacted by the issue because they witness the bullying. 
but they feel unable to advocate for injustices inflicted upon their peers because of the power imbalance between themselves and the administrative department causing the stresses. And I can say now that I have been working in this field for graduating in 2013, so seven, eight years now, I can tell you that those power imbalances and those feelings of being unable to advocate for your peers does not disappear when you graduate. Those issues only become bigger. So I really do want to highlight the fact that the way we learn inside of our program, how to treat each other, really will carry through for such a long time. And it really does matter. Nursing leaders... Those who are masters and doctorate prepared nurses in the administrative roles within nursing education programs are the perpetrators of the discrimination. The CNO clearly outlines the role of a nursing leader within their professional standards document, placing importance on role modeling for new nurses and instilling confidence in student abilities. Statements such as, Unless you want to attempt the course and gamble that you will deliver a week late, I cannot identify a viable solution. Does not meet the requirements set out by the CNO for nurses in roles of leadership to me. That statement was made by the director of my nursing program when I was in my third year. This comment was made via email and I certainly have the receipts for that. This quote actually caused uh, this whole paper to be uh, held, and they actually held my grade until I took out the, the nursing director's name. So now instead of reading her name, it says personal communication. They did that because this paper had to be submitted to a platform called turnitin.com to check for plagiarism. But what would have happened when anyone went to search for her research in things such as the experience of early miscarriage or the impact or the experience of breastfeeding and bonding and attachment with new families, those types of research papers would have also included this paper. So the school held my grade, which was worth 40% of that course until that was changed. So now I am so happy to, to share this out loud. And again, I'm choosing not to say this person's name out loud because I made a, a promise to myself. And I said that what I choose to do with my career will touch so many more lives than her career damaged. My goal is to reach many more individuals who need support and show them how to understand and move through the system and not focus on her career. Because again, I can see what it is because I felt it firsthand and I understand now that you cannot trust anyone. You cannot believe that there's anyone who truly has your best interest at heart except for yourself. And it sounds cold and it sounds mean, but the sooner you figure that out and truly grasp that at your core, especially when it comes to healthcare professionals, you are going to be able to own your experience and move through it a lot more easily. So with that, here's the rest of the paper. 
Nurses taking on the roles of clinical teachers and preceptors are placed in an area of conflict because they become mediators between the students they are responsible for and the authority they are working for. There's a conflict of instruction from authority versus what they see as a just outcome, as well as the well-being of the student they are teaching. Their workplace autonomy is hindered by the restriction of critical thinking and problem solving in relation to individual student needs, which can ultimately impact their own job satisfaction. Nursing students are part of a dual culture. They are student nurses under the guidance of more experienced professionals, and they are university students under the regulations of the institution they pay their tuition to. University administration processes are hierarchical, are a hierarchical design where the authority of the nursing department falls below that of the faculty it is nested within. The university as an institution must hold their faculty accountable for acts of discrimination against students. Like all nursing issues, patients are impacted by the conflict between other nurses. It is well documented that patient outcomes are increased when nurses are experiencing low job-related stress, which horizontal violence is included as a stressor. Therefore, by inflicting discrimination upon students, their capacity to learn respectful and healthy inter-nurse relations and provide exceptional care to their patients is restricted. There is no formal literature addressing this issue, though substantial information regarding policy and requirements for the treatment of pregnant women is available. This issue is one of immense importance because in the past two years alone, Brock's University Nursing Department has discriminated against at least for students needing support to maintain their full-time student status while childbearing. Three of the four students were pregnant females, and the other was an expectant father. The summaries of their personal experiences will be included to provide an increased understanding of the issue. Hey, hold up. I'm really sorry to interrupt this week's episode of While Doing Laundry but I am way too pumped to keep this news in. I am hosting a live masterclass coming up on May 26th at 7 p.m. Did your birth experience mess you up? The birth experience is traumatic for about one in three people. There is a good chance your birth needs to be processed. The challenge is most of us bury our birth story along the way between the well-meaning, be grateful for the healthy baby comments and not having the vocabulary to really express what happened, you shove those feelings down and try to get on with being a parent. I'm here to help you understand how you should be treated and then help you process the feelings that go along with it. And also, more importantly, I help you get back to engaging in the life you pictured when you were daydreaming about parenthood while you were pregnant. I am hosting a live masterclass on Wednesday, May 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
This masterclass is going to take you through the first steps of understanding what common birth practices set you up to feel like a failure and how you can feel like yourself again. So if you are someone who feels as if no one understands you and the day you gave birth, sign up for the masterclass now at bit.ly slash birth processing. I'm saving a seat for you. I get it. Like, I really get it. And you don't have to keep that story buried forever. Now back to this week's episode. The historical analysis. Nursing's origin lies with Florence Nightingale. Her dedication to the profession, cultivation of knowledge, and immense impact on nursing education has placed her at the center of what new graduates and clinical and academic nurses at any point in their career strive to achieve. Many traditions within the profession can be linked back to Nightingale's early research or written words. Essential attitudes and beliefs, such as the importance of infection control, still permeate the minds of nurses today. Unfortunately, there are traditions Nightingale introduced which are still upheld despite the advancement of knowledge on the current culture we are living in. Nightingale clearly preached that marriage prevented the pursuit of a woman's career. Albeit this was a reflection of the social context in which she lived and practiced, this belief still runs through the administration departments of current nursing schools. During the time when Nightingale was practicing, being married was the only socially acceptable way to bear children. Thus, to bear a child as a nurse was theoretically impossible. Children could not be born out of wedlock, but the repercussions of such actions were not discussed within her works. Nightingale, who is thoroughly quoted within current nursing education, often described by professors as the epitome of what nursing is, identified herself as a single celibate woman. Nursing was, and still is, described as a vocation or a woman's calling, which required extreme dedication of the female, so much in fact that no other responsibilities could be taken on. When a woman did decide to leave her calling for marriage, it was addressed in a polite way, even though Nightingale's core values reflected the outlook that leaving the profession was mere blasphemy. Her, te her teachings explicitly opposed pursuit of both profession and family. O'Malley, as mentioned in Nightingale and MacDonald in 2005, quoted her words from it an 1846 journal entry stating, It is much better to educate the children who are already in the world and can't be got out of it than to bring more into it, which exhibits her attitude towards childbearing. As societal attitudes towards women, professional endeavors, marriage, and childbearing and rearing have changed to incorporate equality among men and women, Nightingale's teachings still permeate current nursing education administration. 
Central to the issue is the educational institution's policy regarding pregnant students and the overall attitude of, our hands are tied when it comes to the accommodation of students. The challenge for students is that the resources are not provided to advocate for themselves and acquiring adequate information regarding their rights is really difficult if not impossible, while managing full-time student status, pregnancy, and undergoing stigmatizing discrimination. As an aside, this paper does not even account for the experience of any student who has any other reasons to be discriminated against. This is a massively intersectional issue, and again, I appreciate the patience. This was a, a paper I wrote in I want to say 2012, and a lot has changed. I've grown a lot in many ways, but I did want to highlight again, this issue would be even more challenging and nearly impossible for you know, Black students, uh, students of color, Indigenous students, because again, they're already fighting so many other issues within the, that institutional setting. When questioning the department regarding the policy to accommodate their needs, the response given was, no written policy specific to the course. My knowledge from coordinating the course on two occasions provides the basis for my comments. Personal communication with the same director of the program on January 30th of 2012. And just for clarification, to understand the context in which uh, this particular nursing leader had their expertise within, you know, it wasn't some sort of hands-off uh, systems um, or IT or even ICU-based care or knowledge. Um, you know, to read directly from their profile, um, they identify as someone who is interested in community health promotion throughout the lifespan with a focus on young families. I have researched factors associated with increased breastfeeding exclusivity and duration, including the effectiveness of peer-led prenatal breastfeeding classes and the implementation of breastfeeding best practice guidelines in public health. I have studied father involvement, including the father's role in the breastfeeding family, and the impact on infant development in Vietnam as a program that increased father-infant involvement. I have also researched the provision of compassionate care for women and families experiencing miscarriage, particularly in the emergency department. This was the individual who told me that unless I wanted to gamble, that I would deliver a week late, there was no viable solution for me. This was my introduction to leadership in my profession. I will be forever grateful to all of the other educators and leaders who supported me at that time and really and truly showed me that there was there was better options and different ways to do things, that that wasn't the only type of nursing leader 
I would come up against. And furthermore, I saw examples of who I wanted to be and how I wanted to become a leader. Um, you know, at having this opportunity to share this paper so openly, I feel like it's my duty to share that this was the absolute tipping point for me in deciding you know, how I wanted to, to proceed for the rest of my life and how I wanted to show up because I did not want to be like her. I never wanted to think that I would come up against a challenge or a person in need of my support and be so inflexible to tr like to not be able to treat them like a human. It just it was a hard hard stop for me. And I realized, like I said, then and there, I learned how to utilize the ombudsperson. I learned how to educate myself on my rights, and also I learned how to educate myself and speak up and call people out and hold them accountable. In the grand scheme of things, I really do feel like I lost out here. I chose not to attend my graduation for a degree that was fought so hard for. I look back at pictures of that day of my peers celebrating together. I get the chance now to share this paper and to share all of the ways that being discriminated against because I was pregnant impacted me. You know, I'm, I'm coming up on nine years ago. This is a, a, also a timestamp in this um, episode to let you know that some time has passed since the original one was actually recorded. But today is May 11th and my, my oldest will be nine next week. And it has taken me this long to, to take back my power in this dynamic and put it out there to say that this happened to me. That I worked so hard and I, I did everything I was supposed to do. And they left me for dead. I was nothing. They, they could have cared less what happened to me and my family. All because I was pregnant. And ultimately, again, that, that fire I have to pursue justice and to support people in this experience, in this time of their life, comes from this pivotal experience where I know there are better options. And for God's sakes, if her research is informing care anywhere, I have work to do. Because transparency and accountability is what my profession is built on. And if you cannot meet the needs of someone coming to you and asking for help, you don't get to be a thought leader in the space you just discriminated against someone. So please listen to the rest of this episode, catch the rest of this paper, because 
It got taken out of a database. It got taken out of an academic database because I used her name. My grade was held because of that, because of the fear of this story being shared. And so please continue on. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts once you get to the end. So definitely reach out to me at The Good Birth Co. on Instagram. Send me an email, emily at thegoodbirthco.com. Let's start this conversation because I know I'm not alone in this and a lot of time has passed since. So let's, uh, let's, let's do something about this. Solutions to this issue are plentiful. Should individuals make it a priority? Unfortunately, during the time of horizontal violence, student nurses have many priorities higher than advocacy, legal action, and professional body support. Therefore, it is imperative for clear documentation to, need to be made during the experience. If it cannot be solved at the time, to support future action. Two important political and legal actions to take are filing a human rights violation and filing a complaint with the appropriate governing body regarding the actions of the nursing question. Ethical and legal analysis. Women within Canada are protected by law and supported by international organizations to bear children free of discrimination. As outlined in Pregnancy and Human Rights in the Workplace, Policy and Best Practices, the Canadian Human Rights Act prohibits discrimination based on sex, which as of 1989 includes pregnancy, and the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms states equality of rights for women. So women face discrimination, regardless of the form it takes on, the Commission provides support to file a formal complaint and follow through until a resolution is found. The HRCC's policy highlights international initiatives to protect women through motherhood. The Convention of the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, and the Beijing Platform for Action, the United Nations Fourth World Conference on Women, all state that pregnancy is to be experienced without discrimination. In the United States, there are institutional policies in place to outline pregnant students' rights for administrative staff, educators, and students. The document states that students are entitled to protection from being forced to drop out, being excused from academic responsibilities without penalty for pregnancy-related reasons, and an opportunity to regain credit for attendance or in-class assignments missed due to the pregnancy. Of note, at that time, Canada did not have anything in place, nor did Brock have anything in place specifically that reflected anything like that. Social and cultural analysis. Long-standing Within nursing culture, there has been the tendency for more experienced peers to harass and bully others. Student nurses are not sheltered from the issue of horizontal violence. Novice nurses are particularly vulnerable to this type of harassment. Within the lecture hall, students are taught of the dangers peer-to-peer -peer violence possesses 
and how to prevent and resolve conflict. However, professors failed to discuss the issue of horizontal violence towards students from the faculty members amongst the nursing education department. Gaps between education and practice are commonly discussed within the classroom, though this issue is an incongruence of practice within education. In King Jones 2011 research, students reported that rudeness, abusive language, and humiliation were the most frequent forms of harassment from faculty, including clinical preceptors. The same study found that 17% of students felt that learning opportunities were obstructed as a consequence of faculty bullying. It is unacceptable that students learn to accept horizontal violence within their education, where they normalize the behavior before they even begin their career. Political analysis. Post-secondary institutions are in a position to benefit financially from students who become pregnant and experience discrimination during their studies. If departmental administrative staff, such as the chairperson, restricts a student's education through discriminatory actions, the student may possibly leave the program with tuition already paid in full. Through recognition of the human rights of pregnant students, an array of individuals and groups will benefit at most, the pregnant student, their unborn child, and any other family involved will directly benefit. Pregnancy is a time of intense physical, psychological, emotional, and social change. These challenges are experienced differently in each pregnancy, but it is universal that some amount of stress will be experienced by the person. External stresses, such as relationship distress, environmental stressors, and work workplace stress are documented to contribute to negative outcomes, such as preterm labor, low birth weight, and postpartum depression. University students already report higher levels of stress than the general public. Therefore, efforts should be made to reduce or eliminate any additional sources of stress to promote a healthy pregnancy progression. The profession of nursing can no longer afford to discriminate based on tradition. Pregnant people, regardless if they consider themselves a biological birth parent or an active mother, bring a unique quality to their practice that their peers cannot. Economic analysis. Impacting a young family by restricting post-secondary education completion has the potential to affect the life of the entire family for the rest of their lives. The social determinants of health clearly outline the implications of low education as on social functioning and lifelong well-being. Administrative choices have the potential to place a family within a low-income status, approximately earning a combined family income of 20,000 rather than the upper middle combined family income earning range of 50 to 100,000 a completed university education would provide them with. The RNAO is well known for its advocacy to reduce poverty in Ontario to improve the health of the province. Nursing leaders within 
university institutions who are denying students opportunities to complete their education are potentially contributing to the problem rather than working to eliminate this disparity. Critical feminist analysis. Power imbalances between administrative faculty and nursing students are central to the issue and its resolution. The university structure supports faculty to maintain a position of power over students, ultimately influencing their feelings of self-efficacy and potential power to advocate for themselves. Impacts of issue on self. My entire life has been focused on academia. I judged my own happiness on my, my success within the academic world. I once believed that who I am was reflected through grades and positive reviews from my peers and teachers. The disillusionment ended when I realized my years of hard work and overachievement meant nothing when I needed support the most. The summer prior to my transition to Brock University from Loyalist College, I received the Brock Loyalist Collaborative Nursing Program Scholarship caught 71 babies, 20 independently in Arusha, Tanzania on an ind independent nursing elective trip, and then conceived my son. My dedication to my education and motivation to advance my skills in my soon-to-be profession was blatantly disregarded by the nurse leader responsible for the department I was learning in. This individual, was also a leader within the nursing community as a whole. Being part of an elite few who have earned their doctorate degree. I was never given an invitation to prove myself as a student or even as a human being. Instead, I felt as though I was labeled as a traitor. My academic strength and excellence in clinical skills was replaced with the stigma of choosing a family over my vocation. The timeline of my personal battle began October 23rd, 2011, when I first contacted the department with my concerns, including my due date and goal of graduating with my classmates in 2013. I was told that I may want to book an appointment with the faculty member overseeing the course closer to the start of spring term. The response gave me the impression that there would be a simple solution to accommodate my needs. I discovered there was no simple solution three months later when after contacting the chairperson of the department with three well thought out solutions, I was refused. At that point, I chose to document all communications I had with any member of the faculty, my pregnancy progression, and my own mental health. I was not satisfied with the answer I received from the chair of the department. After discussing my problem with other parents in my nursing program, I discovered there were other individuals who had been bullied as well when dealing with childbearing and study completion issues. Realizing she had attempted to take advantage of other vulnerable students, I chose to fight for accommodation to complete my year. I utilized the Brock University Student Union Ombudsperson who supported me to contact the Associate Dean of Applied Health Sciences. 
This self-advocacy led to the solution of condensing my intercession placement into two 48-hour clinical weeks, plus a few shifts to complete the 120 hours in total. My peers completed the hours over five weeks, and at nine months pregnant, I completed double the amount of work they did. Instead of supporting me to take on a lighter workload, no overtime or safer and lighter duties, as suggested by the Human Rights Commission best practices, I was given the ultimatum to accept the offer or risk placing myself a year behind in my studies. I was told at the time I would be expected to complete double the amount of written assignments as my peers. On April 23, 2012, one week prior to the commencement of intercession and six months after my initial contact with the nursing department, I was notified in the presence of both of my clinical teachers that I was responsible for writing two case study assignments and three learning plan goals. I was told my peers completing the course in five weeks would only be responsible for one case study and two learning plan goals. The advocacy of my instructors helped me to be treated equally. On top of the intense hospital the intense in-hospital hours, I completed a case study and two learning plan objectives. I want to speak here about the power of speaking up when you have the opportunity. The two clinical teachers who helped support me to complete those hours really put themselves out there for me. They put themselves in at great risk to stand up to their, their boss and the orders that the instructions they were given. And they saw how wrong it was and they said something. And I really felt safe with them and I felt that they truly had my best interest at heart. And that's one of those things, the little voice in my head when I, I ask myself, is this worth speaking up about? And it comes and back to very few moments in my life when you know those people who made sure you got through okay because they risked something themselves. And I will forever and ever be grateful to those two individuals. I can proudly say that my work ethic and cooperative cervix allowed me to complete all of the assigned hours. I was also able to contribute to a peer's learning when she attended my own labor and subsequent cesarean birth during her intercession rotation at West Lincoln Memorial Hospital. Fortunately, both my son and I experienced a happy and healthy delivery, though it was via surgical birth. Any of you who have followed my story, you can see this is the time where I didn't understand what happened in my birth. And it was certainly part of that was because of this stress. So you'll, you can know that I, I don't identify that birth experience as happy and healthy anymore. And I did find it to be a traumatic experience, but you can now understand that it, it happened really within a very chaotic circumstance to begin with. But postpartum depression settled in quickly and impacted the bonding experience with my son, the relationship with my spouse, and my view of myself as a mother. I often wonder if I had given myself time to relax physically, mentally, and emotionally prior to my labor and delivery, if the outcomes would have been different. 
I cannot dwell on what could have been because my family is in the present. I cannot hang on to animosity towards others that will affect my day-to-day interactions with them. Conclusion, I plan to aggressively pursue justice for the horizontal violence, stigmatization, and discrimination I experienced during my pregnancy as a nursing student at Brock University. As a nurse in the near future, I will not accept perpetrating horizontal violence as the norm within our profession. As I mentioned earlier, this paper was held and my grade was held and I was then forced to change parts of it prior to being graded and allowing me to pass the course. I did pursue a human rights um, tribunal violation against them. And I sadly, I didn't, again, during the, the time, I didn't show up to the, the hearing. I later learned that they didn't either, and Brock didn't even send a lawyer to it. And the, the reasons that happened was like a spiral afterwards and what happened. But I always remembered and the fact that the Human Rights Tribunal said, this is worth looking at, and this is worth pursuing. So even though I didn't complete the job as I, as I wish I had, I know that someone else knew that this was wrong. And going forward in my career, it really, it pushed me to become an advocate first because that is all we're supposed to be doing. As a nurse, I have a lot of cool skills. We can do a lot of cool stuff, but as a, one of my favorite professors would say, we can teach a monkey to do most of our nursing tasks. Where we shine, this is not a list of quote now, but the, the monkey, teaching the monkey the tasks is. But where, where we come in is our critical thinking skills, our problem solving skills. And if we are stuck focused on following specific policy rules, traditions, getting those tasks checked off a list, We are letting our most impressive, powerful skills triple and die. And when that happens, we are putting people at risk. So I I hope this story, my story of battling a Canadian university around accommodating pregnancy and childbearing and rearing inspires you. Do you have a experience, again, as a pregnant student? want to share? Do you have a story as a student nurse where you've faced this? Reach out to me. Because the only way we are going to start to make serious changes here is getting this conversation started. I am not okay with institutions protecting the, the elite, those, again, we see as the mentors, the leaders in our community, We can't allow institutions to shield them from professional responsibility and transparency. We need to hold people accountable. It is not about creating a way to to figure out what problems are and how bad it is. No, we have a way to do that. But what we need to start doing is reporting and following up. And like I said, the biggest lesson I learned out of this was I should have shown up and I should have followed through very closely with it. But it is now my job to help you do that. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to While Doing Laundry. I hope you're feeling enlightened and your own pile of clothing is a little bit smaller. 
If you love what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you hit subscribe and left a quick rating and review so more people just like you can explore parenthood while doing laundry.